You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey, what's up, Star Wars fans? And welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on the Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, all the cool new and exciting projects we've got coming up uh, in the Star Wars universe here in the new year of 2022. Um, Hope you guys all had a great holiday season and uh, happy new year to all of you listeners. And we are excited to be back uh, with the first of what is sure to be many exciting episodes this year, talking about all this great new Star Wars content we've got coming uh, here in 2022. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm glad to be joined again by my co-host, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? Good to be back, especially um, after it's been a little bit since our last episode, but Coming back strong with some new Star Wars content to talk about is always an exciting thing. So this should be a fun one. Yes, it was a it was a very quiet year. It felt like for Star Wars, at least it felt like that for us. We talked a lot about that in previous shows, but man, I I think I said on Twitter the other day that basically this year is going to be the year of Star Wars. Last year, it felt like it was a year of Marvel on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and all the different stuff we got, which again, as a Marvel zombie myself, I was totally fine with that. But now that we've got 2022, this is going to be the year of Star Wars. It's going to be craziness, as we'll find out here. We got announcements from the, you know a few months ago, and it's. Uh, but I feel like this. It's this is a, this is the Book of Boba Fett is just the. the tip of the eye literally a tip of the iceberg of what's going to happen this year because we're getting all this different content and think of all the different announcements we'll get too it's going to be yeah insanity yeah yeah definitely i mean we've got so we're starting off with obviously book of boba fett we've got the first episode that we technically had at the tail end of 2021 um that we'll be talking about here today and then we've got six more episodes of that we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi coming at some point. We've got Andor coming later in the fall. We've got Mandalorian season three, which presumably is still coming probably in December this year. Uh, We've got Bad Batch season two at some point. We've got uh, new novels like the next phase of the High Republic is starting. Um, We've got Celebration this year, which like you said, Paul, there's probably going to be tons of new announcements about stuff that's coming in the future. Uh, I keep forgetting about celebration. Games, you know, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is finally coming out this year. We'll probably get some announcements hopefully. about like Jedi. <laughs> Jedi. Oh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully they don't delay that game for the 17th time. But, um, you know, and then, of course, we got uh, we'll probably get like Jedi Fallen Order 2 and some other stuff uh, announced at like Celebration and EA Play and all that kind of stuff. So 
Lots to look forward to. I'm super excited for all of it now, and I can't wait to look back at the end of the year and see, you know, how much more stuff has, you know, been announced and and just all the the crazy stuff that's happening this year. So it's also um, going to be a milestone year for the podcast. And in November, it'll be our ten. It's our tenth year. That, we're gonna that be is doing. true. Yeah, ten years of us podcasting. Ten years of Disney owning Lucasfilm and uh, you know ushering in this whole new era of Star Wars. And it's been obviously a blast to take this whole journey with you guys and be talking about it all along the way. So, um, but without further ado, let's just jump right into the good stuff, shall we? We've really just got three big things that we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, one, you know, announcement from a, a couple weeks ago that we still haven't gotten to talk about yet. Uh, one leaked bit of, of news that we're going to just kind of speculate on. Um, but of course, we're going to start off with just the the big thing, which is the premiere episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Um, and after looking forward to that for a year and having it teased at the end of Mandalorian Season 2 last year, we finally got uh, the return of Boba, um, you know, and, and coming back in all his glory, taking over Jabba's palace, uh, introducing himself to the citizens of Mos Espa, seeing flashbacks of his past, all that cool stuff. So, um, you know, I'll, Tim, I'll throw it to you because you're probably, as much as all of us are excited for this, I think you might be the most excited for uh, just the return of a, a guy in a cool Mandalorian helmet that we all know. Yes. And so what were uh, just some of your first impressions of the first episode of Book of Boba Fett? Yeah, so obviously, like you said, super excited for it. It was the rare time I stayed up till midnight on Tuesday night to see it. Like, couldn't just wait to see what the series had in store after waiting for it for so long, not even before it was announced. But obviously, as I said many times before, just the idea of getting the new live action Boba Fett was something I just never would have dreamed was possible back as a younger fan in the mid 90s. So the fact that it's here now, I just couldn't be more excited. And the first episode, um, I will say it delivered on pretty much exactly what I was hoping the first episode of a Boba Fett series would do, especially that opening sequence. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the details of it, but the way it started, boy, it just set the tone beautifully for me and exactly how I wanted. And even more, adding some more stuff that I didn't think we were going to see in an opening sequence like that, but we got it. So it just started off with a bang. And even speculating of how the series would go, once it was announced, how we kind of figured it would be balancing its main uh, story that's taking place in the present time period and also getting flashbacks of, of Boba's past. And this one, this first episode uh, definitely did that. And I'm kind of hoping that's going to be the case for every episode. Kind of heard some mixed things about that. Some saying that they hope the flashbacks isn't the whole series, but I kind of hope it is where it's just maybe not all of him um, with the Tuscan Raiders that we've seen in this episode, but just progressing um, as he moves along to where we see him in the Mandalorian, or even going further back than that, maybe there's an episode that had flashbacks before he was uh, he fell into the Sarlacc pit. So I did like how it utilized uh, flashbacks here and just finally revealing of what exactly happens of him coming out of the Sarlacc pit. So all that stuff was great. Um, had a few little nitpicks about the episode, which I'm sure we'll get into, but overall I was just pleased with how this episode kicked off this series and this journey that Boba Fett is going to be taking both in the past and in the current timeline of the story. So yeah, I was more than pleased with it and just couldn't wait for more uh, once it was over. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, I really liked the show a lot 
initially. Um, I, 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 I was weird because I saw people, it was, it, it felt, it feels like it has a, a, a really, a real mixed reaction. I'm not sure if you guys would agree with that. It feels no, yeah, mostly agree. positive. It's mostly positive to just kind of like, I don't know what people were expecting for the first episode because I feel like it wasn't, it was like, like you guys, I even asked you cause you guys saw it before I did. I said, should I wait? Is this something I have to wait, you know, until like, you know, watch it right away because it's it's just too good. And you go, no, you, you got a couple of days. It's nothing too crazy, and it's a good episode. But you know, whatever. And I, I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. I mean, granted, it's it's me. It's Bo. I love Boba Fett, so whatever, right? But the thing that I was surprised was people's reactions of it's just not really tickling that that itch for people being like, oh, it was, it was so good, blah blah, and. and it's weird because I just I watched it. I'm like, I that was very satisfying like, episode. I don't know what yep. people were expecting for it to to be, and <clears throat> I see people like criticize like the criticize the whatever the uh, the flashbacks and uh, you know. I mean, there it wasn't a perfect episode, but I, like I said, I wasn't really sure what people were expecting necessarily. So. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought like it was a pretty like well done episode because you know one thing that you have to realize with Boba Fett is that you we always there's this, there's this notion of what he was and what your preconceived notions of what Boba Fett was before canon. Um, and I say yeah. canon because of 2013, you know, when Disney took over and everything. We all we all had an idea of what Boba Fett was from the EU. He was kind of an established bad guy. He's I would say he's not even, he's I would say he's almost pretty much a bad guy in the in, in the books in the EU. They kind of make him a good guy every once in a while, but he's mostly a bad guy. I would say right. I would agree. And I yeah. feel I it, you know for the most part, I, especially how about this from the early to late nineties, early two thousands, he was mainly a bad guy. And they try to do a little couple of different things. Yeah. Uh, you know, they definitely did try to do, they try to branch him out a little bit more, um, you know, in the 2000s, you know, to like 2010, 12. So 10, I'd say for 10 years, he was pretty much a bad guy. And then, and then the last 10 years, they try to make him more, a little more gray. I say all that because you, when you bring all those preconceived notions into this new version of Boba Fett, we don't really know where the character is at this point, other than like, again, in canon, other than the Clone Wars episodes we got and a few books and comic books, and that's it. And there isn't really a way to tell where they're going with the character. The one thing I would say, the one that we have that's concrete is what's happened in the Mandalorian. And that gave us, uh, he has a sense of moral code. That's it. And then he's now going to be a crime boss. So I feel like this season, we're literally going to be getting the, the uh, a real definition of the character and a, uh, establishing what's going to be, I think they're going to be writing and reinforcing and books and comics going forward with the series. And then obviously afterwards and, and what they'll do. I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll die at the end of the se season. I don't no, think so. But, don't say that, but, please. Yeah, I, but <laughs> I doubt it. I don't think they'd give him his but, whole own spinoff series just to kill him at the end. No, no. But you see, my point is, I, I, I think I do think that this is going to be establishing where they're going with the character for before and after, you know, establishing where he is at because right now in the comic books, he's just a bounty hunter and, and he, he's, he's doing, you know, he's, he don't cross him. And right now we have to understand, you know, at the end of, at the beginning of, of this journey of the sand people that we get, this is where, you know, this is establishing this new Boba Fett and everything. So 
this is, you know, going forward from here, that's all we need to know about is at, at this point of coming out of the Starlock pit, that's where you were going. And this is this new journey is the establishing the new Boba Fett. So yep. either way, it, it's, it, it's, we're learning, we're relearning this character. And I don't know if people mm-hmm. want to jump on that because the Mandalorian, and I'll stop, I'll shut up here in a second. The Mandalorian, everything is fresh and you're learning things as you go with the character. So it's a little different. And I think what, because I think the, the flashbacks, flashbacks is, exist this essentially reestablish what's going on with Boba Fett and essentially creating a new mythology with him kind of, you know, all that. So I think people are kind of coming in the preconceived notions already and want, and I think that is part of the problem and because he's an established character, but I think as the show goes on, people will like it more because I know that I think Robert Rodriguez has even said, but like later on, like it's going to blow people's minds. Like it's just, it's, mm-hmm. so there's, so I feel like, there's a there's a reckoning coming coming and it's gonna happen at some point soon, and I think that that's what's gonna happen. But I I, I love it. I think it's great what we're getting. Yeah, and you know it's interesting because I almost feel the opposite as far as um, sort of my initial reaction and then like the the consensus that I was seeing from people online. Because when I watched it for the first time, like I enjoyed it. It was definitely kind of slower pace than I expected. Um, and I like the flashbacks, but I wasn't expecting the episode to spend like so much time in the flashbacks. Um, and then also like I had read some of those interviews with Robert Rodriguez where he said, I think he did one in like Hollywood Reporter or something like that, like right before the show came out. Where he basically said like everything that we've seen from the trailers, like leading up to the show was from like the first half of the first episode yeah, and that I they couldn't even show too. stuff from the second half of the episode because there were like already big reveals and surprises that were going to blow people's minds. So I went into the first episode, like ready to be blown away. Like, you know, I, I was, I kept waiting for, for the big drop, like of, you know, I don't know, Bosk or Cad Bane or somebody to show up or for us to see like a familiar face in, in Moss Espa or just have some kind of, either big surprise or big reveal or, or big moment. And I think the big surprise moments ended up just being like the, the flashback scenes and seeing Camino again and um, seeing him come out of the Sarlacc pit and stuff like that. I mean, seeing the Sarlacc scene was like a given. We knew we were going to see that at some point, but I wasn't sure that they would show that like right off the bat because that's like one of the big things everybody's wanted to know for years is like, did Boba Fett survive? And if so, how, and how did he get out of the Sarlacc pit? And so for them to just show like this, like right off the bat, um, I was kind of surprised to see that that early, but there definitely weren't any like big mind blowing moments or any, any shocking twists or big cameos or, or any of that kind of stuff that we had pretty much every episode in Mandalorian season two. Um, so I think my expectations maybe got ahead of me a little bit for it. And like I said, it was, it was definitely good. Like I liked the, the writing, the performances, the visuals, I liked everything that they were setting up. It was just, um, I don't know. It was, it was a little bit slower paced than I expected. And so I was like, okay, like this is good, but we're, we still haven't really gotten to like the really good stuff yet. And it was the kind of episode that just kind of gave me the impression. I was like, I liked it, but I bet some people probably didn't. And I was like, when I got on Twitter, Mm -hmm. I was kind of expecting to see like some more negative criticism, but I've seen a lot of positive reactions across the board. And I've seen a lot of people who loved it even more than I did. Um, And honestly, like I've watched the episode twice now and I I think I enjoyed it more the second time around when I didn't have a lot of like big built up expectations and kind of just enjoyed it for what it was. Um, And I would say what it was is just a solid episode to establish this character and and the story and the journey that he's going to be on and and just kind of a a solid start to kick off the episode. But like I said, they haven't really gotten to the meat of it yet. 
Um, but I just thought it Can was. I, you know, I, I thought it was cool to see to see so many people that um, that really liked it. But one other thing I wanted to say, Paul, like I think you're you're absolutely right that this is uh, just like sort of establishing the character in a way that we haven't really seen before, especially on screen. Mm -hmm. Because and again, I've seen like Robert Rodriguez and John Favreau say this in interviews too that like Boba Fett's such a popular character just because he looks cool and because of the mystery of not knowing who he is, and so. Uh, to now do a whole series focused on him, they really have to sort of establish his his morals and his ethics and his background and like who he is as a person more than what has ever been fleshed out before. Um, and so I really enjoy seeing that. I will say one thing that was that I maybe would have liked to see a little bit more because we know and we know from like Mando season two also that like he has a code of honor that like he can kick butt when he needs to. He's he's tough. He's gritty, but he's not like a bad guy all the time like he can he can play ball with people you know he's he'll help people that help him like he's he's got his own kind of code of honor about him um but i wish that we like just because before this our our idea of boba fett has always kind of been the villain that we saw him in, in saw him as in the original trilogy i would have liked to maybe see a little bit more of a transition like in the flashbacks, see him be a bit more villainous, maybe a, have a bit more of a hard edge to him. And then the the sort of story and the character arc of the flashback scenes could be showing him getting to the present day and having sort of more of that that honor and respect that he's about. Because um, well, even to see him, you know, crawl out of the Sarlacc pit, get captured by the Sand People, and he's tied up next to the Rodian, and he's like, hey, do you want me to cut your bonds? And, you know, is immediately like, kind of being a little bit, I don't know if I'd say soft, but like, you know, more of a nice guy than we've seen Boba Fett be before, which again, I think makes sense in the present, but I think for the flashback scenes, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a transition of like, like a little bit of a difference between the character in the flashback scenes and the present day to kind of see how he gets from point A to point B. So let me, let me ch chime in for a second. And I'm going to ask Tim your, your, your interpretation of this, because I, I see, I understand that. Uh, and I think that that's a valid, um, you know, question and critique what i would say is i interpret it a lot differently one they i love the idea of the visual cue of stripping him from the armor because you're stripping away the character so basically think of it this way he spent how many years in his armor at this point and he's a ba right he's he's just ridiculous and he all of a sudden gets defeated he's he almost dies in the sarlacc pit which by the way it was freaking awesome seeing that oh, scene yeah. i'm sure we'll break that down at some point um and then you, you so you're visually stripping down the character he's stripped down completely so he's not the same character anymore and he knows that so he's been humbled right and i think the the visual cue is that armor's off he's all messed up from the sarlacc pit and he's in a he's in a place where he's never been before he's been humbled and he almost died and so he's in a weird place and I think that he also knows. So I interpret it that way. So we're so he, you're stripping away what. So I think John Favreau was trying. The writer of the episode was trying to convey to the audience he's in. A, this is not the same Boba Fett because he's in a totally different mindset here. The second thing I would say, that he tried to you know help the Rodian. He also probably knows I'm gonna need some help because I'm by myself. Like if I do it myself and get out of here, like they come after me, I might need some help at some point too. Cause he's, he's literally by himself. And I think that that's why I interpret it. Like, you know, it's not like he, if he could just get out himself and didn't need help, I think he'd be like, well, yes, I, I, like I said, maybe he is, but 
I, I interpret it that way too, that he probably knows he'll need someone to help him out at some point. Because Tatooine, you know, what does Obi-Wan say? The gentleman waste so not to be traveled lightly. I'm sure I <laughs> you could say that for uh all of Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, the whole planet. So I mean, like, I feel like he needs help. So I interpreted it all that way. And again, not everyone's going to, but I think John tried to write the episode and have that visual representation of taking away the armor to show you that like he is in a different place completely. And the one thing I wanted to add, uh, interrupt you on, I, I apologize, uh, but was uh, rewatch the episode and you liked the better, the better the second time. I, I, I liked the episode the first time. I rewatched it like two or three times now and I love it. Like it's it, like you said, it's gotten better every time. And I think there is that rewatchability factor that for this, and, and let's be real. I, I rewatch Star Wars even more than Marvel. There's something about Star Wars that it has this rewatch factor for me that I rewatch it. The, the animation shows, well, not resistance, but that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, but like the animation shows, the TV shows, like for Marvel, I don't really watch the movies and the Movies more so I rewatch the shows. I don't really wa- rewatch them very much. Um, Star Wars I do, but Boba Fett. There's a rewatchability on this sh- this episode. It's it's a it's a quick pace, and I really respect that. As a video person, I'm curious what your interpretation of, of that, Kyle. And um, and I'll throw it before I throw it to you. You know, keep that in your back of your mind to answer this. So you know, as a video person and editing, it felt like the pace was a pretty quick, like fastly. You know storytelling everything was pretty you know pretty good pace i thought and then and for you tim i'm curious did you interpret it like i did for for boba fett like i didn't interpret the that whole thing as like you know he's helping someone out he's more soft i didn't interpret it that way i you know did you think the same way i did on that not really but i did like where you were going there because it does make sense that given his situation he would (laughs) probably be best if he had some help in another person to help him get through the desert but i totally agree what you're saying i said this before too how even when we're talking about his episodes in the mandalorian where i just think when he came out of the sarlacc pit it was just a total rebirth moment for him as a character where he was going to be a totally different person and uh, i'm sure we're going to see more of that as we get in the flashbacks but how i interpret it when you know just for lack of better words because i've seen this too people don't calling him soft or too nice in this episode to me there's always been as we saw in the Clone Wars, a sense of honor passed down from his father. I go back to that moment in the season two finale of Clone Wars where um, he doesn't want to reveal where uh, Slave One is at with the hostages and Hondo convinces him it's what your father would have done. It's the honorable thing to do. So there is even like a sense of honor that he's had installed in him, probably from Jango and then later on through Hondo and who knows who else, maybe Cad Bane if those episodes are ever made canon. That's traded, but I don't know how much honor so. Cad Bane is going to have. Yeah, so. I was Cad Bane isn't the one to teach somebody. A and maybe of that's, no. I think, what caused the rift between them um, and why they would eventually have that uh, standoff that they had in the those episodes. But that's I just think point. there was that sense of honor instilled with him at a young age that he would still show um, even before we see him go through like a full character transformation. Because just if you think about it, he's captured, they're being tortured. He sees someone else in that same situation. I'm sure if he still kind of has that sense of honor to see someone else in the same predicament that he's in, he would offer his help too. And, to, and, and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I just say, but also goes good with what you're saying too, Paul. About just that need for survival, it would be probably the more logical thing to do in that situation, also. 
and the last thing I'll add to what you're saying there too is uh, they also they also show us Django and him as a little or the death of Django right and, oh, and that boy, different different view yeah that but dude, I the, love that <laughs> I love it too but I think they did that to establish and set up which is genius mm-hmm. when he saves a little boy he sees himself and and when he when he when he goes you know because he's ready to he's ready to rock that kid and he goes <laughs> ah! and he's like. And, he's, and the kids like this, and he, and you real, and I, I, again, I interpret that as it's he sees himself as a little boy and realizes, oh wait a minute, and that's where that softness comes in because he set they set up that whole idea because why why would they put the Django thing in there at the very beginning of the episode? You're you're want to establish the fact that he has on there is honor there because he he was a little boy he lost his father and he sees himself in that little boy right away. Because again, you know, he sees you, they established that all in the episode. So mm. anyway, Kyle, I, I asked you those questions. I'm curious to what you're. Yeah. What, what we're well, I want to chime in on what you guys are talking about. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, that's and what I meant too. I'll yeah. Come back to the the just editing and pacing thing. Because um, I didn't I didn't dislike it as far as what you're talking about, just with his his characterization. Um, and I think it is fine for them to say, hey, we're we're sort of reintroducing this character and we're showing you a side of him that you've never really seen before, and just it's always been there. But I think just for me personally, I think it could have like not that that's bad. I just think it could have been even more effective to say, hey, here was your preconceived notion of him from the original trilogy. And we're going to show you him getting from that to this more honorable version of him. And even if you show that he's had some of that all along, I still think like for those flashback scenes, heck, even for him having just been spit out of the Sarlacc pit, um, you know, to maybe even have like just some anger or some bitterness, not even because that's who he is as a person, but just because he's, you know, mad about like the crap that he's just gone through. He's like some blind dude just whacked me in the back with a stick and I almost died from it and had to climb out of this, you know, slimy pit. And now my face is all scarred up from stomach acid and stuff. Um, I would, I would have expected just for him to be starting out in a bit more of a kind of a, a rough place, mentally and just in terms of his his attitude and stuff like that so that's just kind of a minor nitpick like again i don't mind them showing even in the flashbacks just that like this is kind of who he's been all along that he's not like 100 percent a bad guy i just think it could have been maybe a little bit more effective to, to show that transition from what you thought boba fett was to what we're showing him as now and and just have that um kind of have the whatever like however long this subplot of the uh, the flashback scenes is going to be to kind of have that have its own character arc for Boba along with whatever his main journey in the present day is going to be. Um, and on that note, I do hope, like I didn't mind the flashbacks and I, I would like to see more stuff from his past. And I'm sure we're going to, because I mean, we've seen at least a few more shots from the trailers of like him still in the Tuscan robe, like getting back to Jabba's palace and getting his ship and stuff like that. Um, and who knows if we'll maybe even go further back with some of the flashbacks and see stuff with him as a kid or, um, even stuff during the original trilogy, because I thought it was interesting that in some interviews like Tim Morrison and and Robert Rodriguez, I think have specifically mentioned, like, we're going to see what he's been up to since Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Not since Return of the Jedi. And I don't know if that was like them misspeaking or if maybe we will see some more flashbacks of kind of like classic Boba during the original trilogy. Um, How cool would it be to see him act, actually deliver Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt, where dude, we actually right? see him like, enter the palace yeah, and see Jabba that be, again? Yeah. That would be crazy. Um, but 
Yeah, so so I like the flashbacks, and I don't mind seeing more of the flashbacks. I was surprised, though, how much time the flashbacks took up in this episode. And, like, on watching it for the second time, I noticed, like, really, like, two-thirds of the episode is flashbacks. I feel like yeah. the, the pretty much the whole first third. Like, obviously, it starts off with the shot of him in Jabba's palace in the back tank, and it goes right into the flashbacks. And that's, like, the first 15 minutes or so of the episode before we really get to the present-day stuff with him and Fennec. And then again, like the last 10, 15 minutes of the episode, um, I guess maybe not 15, because the whole thing is only like 38 minutes. So it's not 15 and 15, but um, the last maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes, whatever, is is more flashbacks with him yeah. and the kid fighting the big monster thing, which was crazy. And I love the design of that thing. I don't know what the heck that was, but... <laughs> so um, different, but <laughs> yeah. It yeah. And to and, be honest, it was, though... It, Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say real quick to to answer your original question, Paul, as far as like the pacing, because yeah. you said it felt pretty quickly paced to you. I kind of felt the opposite. It did feel pretty slow to me and not to the point of being like tedious or like poorly paced, but it definitely felt like they were taking their time with it, especially in those flashback scenes. Like the present day stuff was maybe a little more quick. And of course, you know, you get the fast paced like fight scene on the street and everything. Um but like in some of those flashback scenes, just as he's like going through the desert with the kid, especially when when like the little kid Tuscan takes him and the Rodian and like they're just wandering out into the desert and there's some long shots of them just walking through the desert. And then they see the uh, the homestead where like the moisture farmers are getting beat up by that gang or whatever. And, and those guys take really? off and that didn't really have a. I don't know, like a payoff. Like I'm assuming that's going to have a payoff later down the line because that right, didn't really right. serve a purpose in that episode. I was like, why is he making them watch this and then just making them go dig for water? It was like, what was the point of that five minute setup of like them watching the the moisture farms? So there was there were a couple things that I that kind of had me wondering, like what is the point of this and when are we going to get back to the main story? And I think that's why again, like I I liked it the first time I watched it, but. Um, would you, how, how was, me, the first time was kind of like, Oh, come on, when are like, let's pick up the pace. When are we going to get to the good stuff? Whereas the second I wonder, time I kind of just was able to more enjoy what they were presenting. I wonder if, if maybe more people would like it, if there was more of a de designation of the episode up, up at front, like, so like, it wouldn't be back and forth. Like I like the back and forth aspect a lot, but right. I wonder if more people might like it. If it was, here's a flashback episode and here is a regular episode. Like, what if they you almost feel like if they if they started with the flashback, like the whole episode was just, was this, you know, whatever the next episode is going to be. I'm assuming it's flashbacks. So they combine that part to this part of the first episode. Have that be the first episode. Then do, uh, you know, a thing where it's like him waking up in the back to tank. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe more people might like it, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't know if it serves the same purpose. And, I, and again, I wonder, Boba Fett is almost a test in a sense. So bear with me because if you think about it, this is the first post Mandalorian TV show for star Wars. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Mandalorian is like the biggest TV show out there. In my opinion, I'll, I, I, you'd be hard pressed to find anything bigger than that right now. It's just, it's not like it's, you know, Grogu is like the, a G right now. Like he's <laughs> like unstoppable. Like, I mean, seriously, I mean, I, as speaking for someone who has a daughter and has, she has, infinite amount of Grogu stuff after this Christmas, like one second you're into it. Like, dude, like I'm telling you, like it's like the most popular show out there right now. So I almost feel like it's a Boba Fett's a good, a good way for that, for Disney and, and Lucasfilm to kind of gauge how do they approach like TV. But after this, because now 
you kind of know like what people are expecting and what they didn't like about it. So I'm just kind of curious if it's almost like a test. It's like Boba Fett's a G and he's always going to get like, it's going to be, people are going to like it regardless, I think. So it's like how, do you know, narratives, how do they, you know, what people respond to kind of is a good kind of litmus test almost. It feels like, because it's, it's definitely split down the middle. As far as that goes, it feels like, I feel people like liking the background or like the, the back. Um, the, oh my gosh. The flashbacks. Flashbacks. Couldn't think of the word. Mm. Flashbacks. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if people would respond worse or or, or whatever. Cause I think discerning the, the purpose, like if they would just ignore if they never went to the flashbacks for like a couple episodes, wouldn't that bother you? Like yeah. you being well, yeah, I it mean depends. Now, now here's another thing I want to bring up is as far as the the formula of the flashbacks and him seeing you know, him saying that he's having dreams every time he's in this back to tank. Um, I thought that was really effectively done as far as this first episode goes, but I do think that's a formula that the, that could kind of get old quickly if they keep doing that throughout the whole series. If like every episode, it's Boba has a fight, Boba gets injured, Boba has to go back yeah. to the back of the tank, Boba has a dream about another you know flashback. So if they are going to continue with this thing of it being dreams, maybe we could just see dreams while he's sleeping. Maybe it could be... Uh, you know, he, he could just be continuing doing like healing sessions in the back of the tank like he was at the beginning um, and not always have it have to be because that seems like a video game thing, right? Like you have a big fight, then you go heal up. And while you're at the save spot, there's a, a flashback you know, or a, or a cut scene that shows the next part of the story or something. So um, I don't think they're going to carry that on for the whole show. And I do wonder... Like by the end of this episode, we see him be accepted into the Tuscan people. And so I don't know if we're going to see it. And like I said, I mean, we we know at least from the trailers that there's going to be a little bit more kind of showing how he gets to the point we see him out in the Mandalorian. I assume we're going to see him like meet up with Fennec, get his ship back. Uh, maybe even like, I don't know, maybe we'll get a cameo from Cobb Vanth and just see like Boba spying on him from afar and find out for the like how he finds out where his armor is at. See, I have um, a theory about how that's going to go down. I mean, I'll probably be totally wrong, but because <laughs> go um, for it, we know because from that fight Boba had with the Tuscan at the beginning of the episode, and he lost. We know they're going to have another fight because Boba's going to get his like, his gaffy stick that he has because it's the exact yeah. same one that he has. So they're eventually going to fight. So I think Boba's going to be accepted. Obviously, he already is starting to amongst that tribe and clan. And part of me thought, I wonder if we're going to see how. Like if Cal Cobb Vance is going to show up and how Boba's going to know his armor's still out there. Part of me wonders if, because correct me if I'm wrong, but Cobb Vance did mention in the season two premiere that he has killed a fair amount of Tuckins who were raiding the village. He did. So I'm wondering if that's how Boba will first encounter him, where he sees Cobb Vance in his armor take out that tribe. And what if he's kind of like the only survivor left? And Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, I thought That's that'd be kind of an theory, interesting, cool way to now see. Now I'm going to be it. disappointed if that doesn't happen. Like if if Boba, heck, what if even ah, no? See, I don't know if they would go go that far, but like those raiders, like the 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 criminals or whatever that were attacking those moisture farmers. What if those guys are from Mos Pelgo, and mm-hmm. so maybe that's why the Tuscans go and raid the village. Um, I don't know. It, we'll see, but it would be it would be cool to see because I'm just thinking it, it, the only disconnect there would be like if they're trying to show Boba as like more honorable, then why would he go with this group of Tuscans that's going to just raid this village? Like they would have to have 
a, a, like a, a legitimate motive from their yeah. uh, point of view. And that's one thing that I really like about, um, you know, one thing that they've definitely been doing in in the new Disney canon, but specifically in these shows, like in The Mandalorian and now Book of Boba Fett, is showing the Tusken Raiders as like, uh, you know, like these indigenous people with their own culture and, and language and stuff and not just these sort of like murderous savages out in the mm -hmm. desert like we've always seen. But they also don't shy away from the fact that they are still like brutal and, and you know, they take prisoners and torture people and stuff like that. But they're also not just completely like, you know, animals or monsters like Anakin sees them as. So um, it would be interesting to see sort of that that dynamic play into it and, and how Boba sees all that, if that were to be the route they would go. But I do think that would be really cool to maybe have him even be part of that group that uh, that Cobb Vanth has a confrontation with, have him be one of the survivors. Because people have always wondered, like, well, if Boba knew that Cobb Vanth had his armor, why didn't he just take him out? Well, maybe he sees Cobb Vanth take out a bunch of other uh, Tuscans and he's like, shoot, this guy's got my best car armor and all my weapons. And like, I don't have that right now. So for the time being, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, and I... And well, I do it, think it, too they're making a point to show that even though it's we don't know the exact time period, but Boba's still not one hundred percent. He has to go into the back to tank yeah. ever so often, and even yeah. in that quick battle he had, he was taken out quickly. He had to go to the back to tank, so he's not one hundred percent. So even more so during the flashback where he's with the Tuscans, where he hasn't been in the back to tank. So to him not feeling ready to go up against Cobb Vance, at, not at full well, strength. I, I I have a thing about that too, because I don't think that the back to tank and him be the best thing that he happens at the end of the show is connected to him having to do that on a regular basis. I think that's more coincidental because he got injured during the fight with the with the with the things. Cause it wasn't he because he got hurt. It wasn't like he was just hanging out. Like I feel like he would have whether he was, you know, pre- you know, Sarlacc pit or post or, you know, what doesn't matter. I think he'd have to go to back to tank regardless for that injury. So he's like, mm -hmm. it makes sense. I don't think, I don't think they're connected that way. Or like he, cause he went and fought a bunch of stormtroopers, you know, in that one episode and he was fine. So I, I, I didn't interpret that way. I could be wrong. could be wrong, but I didn't interpret it that way. Um, one thing I will say, there's a reason that I don't think he, I don't, here's the thing. I don't. I, I like your idea, Tim. I what I wonder though, why does he stay with the Tuscans for as long as he does? Because it's not like. Because remember, he's not just on the planet for like a couple months, and he's like, "Okay, guys, I've got my stuff. See you later." You know, he stays with, with them for a long time. Yeah. It's for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and if he knew where his ship was, he'd go get it. I'm assuming. I'm assuming if he he has all, you know, he doesn't need his armor to get Slave One. I'm assuming. And I'm assuming he has, he has ways to get it in case something like this happens. Well, we know I'm he doesn't get it without the armor because that's he meets right. Mando in season two with Slave One. So. Well, right, right, right. But my my question is, why doesn't he go before that? What is what is what makes him stick with the with the the Sand People for as long as he does? There's got to be a reason, and there's a reason why he's got his he's not full. You know, I'm assuming there's a reason why he's not full on sand person. I'm assuming there's a reason why he's not um, why he leaves and why he stays for so long. What are those reasons? And I think that's why we're getting the flashbacks. Is it's not like he's just been hanging out in Tatooine. Like I'm just gonna like you know I'm waiting to get my armor back. I think there's a legitimate reason why, and we don't know why. And I think that's why I think I think the reason. He's going to be, he wants to be the crime lord 
is connected to why he stays on Tatooine for so mm. long. And that's why I think the flashbacks exist in the first place. I think there's a legitimate reason why he wants to do this. And I think, let's be real, it probably does tie into the fact that we, why we don't see or, you know, any reason of him in the sequel trilogy is probably because there is, there is a legitimate reason why if he's not, I'm assuming he's not going to be dead by then. And it's probably because he's going to be some kind of criminal organization of some kind. And, and also what does that mean? Cause I don't think he's going to be, I don't think we're going to get the same Boba Fett at the beginning of the season as we're going to get towards the end of the season. I think we're going to see a more ruthless character, a more villainous character in some way at the end of this episode. I don't think it's going to be Sopranos or Breaking Bad, which I would love. I don't know mm-hmm. if Disney would love that. But I do think there's going to be a, a morally gray, a disnified, if you will, version of that with Boba Fett. And I think you could get away with that with the character, but I think for him to, to do what he's doing, you need to establish why he hasn't gone off. You know, why he hasn't just gone off and got different armor? Why, why didn't he find out, find those Jawas right away? We're going to find those reasons out through this. And I think there, there's going to be a connection. I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of, re, there's going to be some kind of emotional attachment with this Sam person tribe, Sam people tribe, but why, you know, what connection makes him stay that long? You know, because he knows his armor's out there. The Jawas probably have it. He knows he could probably, you know, figure something out. I'm assuming he's smart enough. I mean, he's Boba Fett. He could probably yeah, go back and on, figure that on out. This whole, on this whole planet, you know, all desert all the way around, how many Jawa sand crawlers are out there? And, right. You know, he doesn't know where they are, so. So I I kind of feel like there's there's got a legitimate reason. I think, I think you're going to establish that, but it's going to be a slow burn. It's going to be, what, seven, six, seven episodes? So, I mean, it's, seven. so I don't. Yeah, it's not going to be revealed to us right away. And if they're about, you know, 38, 40 minutes long each, then, you know, I mean, makes sense. So we'll see. Right now, kind of how I'm guessing, um, and again, just basing off the one episode, I kind of feel that it's going to be something where he gets accepted into the tribe and he kind of starts to accept maybe this is where he belongs now. Like his past, as a bounty hunter, he's going to leave the armor behind. This is going to be his life now, being amongst the tribe of Tuscan Rainers until... Something happens, whether it's like I'm speculating, he sees Cobb Vant and the attacks his Tuscan tribe, or just something's going to trigger where he can't stay with them any longer and he has to get his armor back for some type of reason. But I just think there will be a point where he's going to accept this is his life now amongst this tribe. Maybe he does feel a sense of belonging amongst them once he does get more accepted into there. But I do agree something is going to obviously happen and change in that situation that's going to make him really want to go find his armor. Uh, wherever it may be <laughs> but i kind of feel right now he's kind of leaving that behind we'll see if that ends up being the actual case but you're totally right where there is going to be some that it's going to trigger um his way of thinking as far as really needed to get that armor back and yeah. and become the crime lord that that to me yeah, is the, the key yeah. thing yeah they could be and they could well, be connected I can't help but wonder if um yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll find out more about his motivation for that because I, I do want to know, like, is there something specific that makes him go, oh, I need to go consolidate power? Or is it just he gets his he gets his armor back, he gets his ship back, he knows that Jabba's dead and just goes, hey, why not me? You know, like, because mm. um, even, you know, again, they've talked about in interviews how, like, we're going to see in some instances Boba kind of be in over his head. And I mean, we even see that a little bit in the first episode. I'm assuming those guys that attacked him and Fennec in the street were the guys that, um, you know, the mayor's uh, 
delegate or whatever said, you know, oh, well, if you don't like sort of play ball with me, like you can expect a, a less friendly delegation. And then sure enough, they get attacked by a bunch of assassins. So I assume those were like guys from the mayor that were like, hey, you're, uh, you know, you're not playing by our rules. We're going to try to take you out. Um, and it almost doesn't end well for him. Lucky those Gamorrean guards ended up being, uh, you know, being loyal and helping him out of that situation. But, you know, they're like, they were talking about how, like, we've always seen Boba, like he's the best at what he does in terms of being a bounty hunter, but in terms of being a leader and uh, someone that people have to look up to and follow and, and him having to sort of, um, you know, manage this power base and whatever, like there's going to be some things that he's going to have to learn for the first time and some lessons he's going to have to figure out. So it'll be interesting to see him navigate all of that kind of stuff. Um, I will say like, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in finding out more through the flashbacks of all that stuff you were talking about. Like, why is he on Tatooine for five years? What's he up to? What's his connection with this Tuscan tribe? Um, but I do hope that the, at least most of the rest of the show kind of focuses more on the present day story just because I feel like that's that's what I'm more invested in. And I want to see the past stuff as well and sort of how it informs where he's at in the present. But, like, I want to see this picking up after Mandalorian. What's Boba up to? What's, you know, his whole criminal I, empire? What's he going to be up to? And also, I feel like, like you're talking about, oh, you feel like there's got to be more to it as far as why he's doing all this. I, I feel like there's got to be, like, there's going to be more to this show than just, oh, we're going to see more facets of Boba's character and we're going to see more sides of the criminal underworld. Like, I think there's going to, at some point, there's going to be a driving story. There's going to be a reason for this that maybe is even going to tie into the broader connecting group of Mandalorian stories with Mando and Ahsoka and all that stuff. And we know that they're all building towards one kind of big climax. So maybe there's going to be some sort of threat that Boba has to unite some, some crime families against or... Something like that. I, I feel like there's going to be some real meat to the story that we just haven't gotten to yet. And so I hope that that's more of the focus than the flashbacks. But I am interested in more of the flashback stuff as well. To be honest, the flashbacks were the stuff I was most invested in in this first me too! episode. Because, and maybe that's just the longtime Boba Fett fan of me just, like I said before, yeah. finally seeing him come out of the star like that. And just what actually happened afterwards. So I was eating all that stuff up. When they were in the flashback with the Tuscans and all yeah, the same here. to the end. More so than the present day. I'm sure the present day is gonna get be more of the focal point and probably I'll probably have more investment in that in future episodes. But as far as this one goes, I was just eating everything up from the flashbacks. Yeah. I, they're my favorite part too. Yeah, I totally agree. I know there's been some criticism saying that took away from the main plot in the first or in the current timeline, which it did. <laughs> I mean, but I guess it just depends on what you're kind of more yeah. invested in as part of the yeah. story goes. And for me, it was getting that finally getting that backstory of him coming out of the starlight finally revealed. So, you know, yeah. I, well, I, I, I had, I had, go ahead, Paul. you know, I, I gotta say, I, I think that I I've got a couple of theories here and I, I and I'm, we're probably getting close to wrapping up. I think the, the soccer bowl effect. So I'll, I have a couple more points. Right. If, um, <laughs> I don't know. I want to make, I didn't want to make sure. Um, the one thing I will say is, is I'm wondering how it connects with the other Mandalorian stuff because obviously it's they're trying they're doing some kind of connected storyline. I wonder if maybe he shows up again because maybe he meets up with a Mandalorian somewhere um, besides uh, after um, whatever. Or not it wouldn't make sense because he he meets them. Maybe yeah, maybe he runs into to a Mandalorian somewhere before and like. Um, 
before he meets. No, nah, that makes sense. There, forget. I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Forget what I just said. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that because I, I thought for a second maybe he got reconnected with another Mandalorian and, and knows like there's going to be like a reckoning coming at some point, you know. But then I thought about that. I'm like, wait, but he meets those other Mandalorians in the other episode, and he gets all pissed off. I'm like, yeah, forget it. it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I really a couple of quick things I want to talk about. Um, okay, knowledge, uh, Gamorrean guards, uh, how rad, like they look, that sequence. <laughs> okay, first of all, they looked a little bit, a little bit better than the season two of Mandalorian. Yeah, but they didn't the fact, skip leg day a little bit, but <laughs> but at least they actually got to go in action. We have to actually see Gamorrean guards like fight, yeah. like full on, like you know, you know, whatever, like come in and actually help out and like be loyal and like, yeah. All right, yeah, I want I want to see this for a long time. They're formidable <laughs> people, you know. This is great. Um, so that was really rewarding as a Gamorrean guard fan for you know many many years. You know, since, since I was born, basically almost forty years now, or will be forty years basically on Saturday. Oh God, my life sucks. Um, so, uh, <laughs> oh, forty years old. Wow. But uh, no, but like I I thought that was awesome, and I mean obviously obviously the, Star- the Sarlacc pit was really cool because now we have the definitive way he got out. And yes, I want to say, yeah. as as a as a lifelong Boba fan, as long as I remember, I have the original comic that he was actually, you know, undigested, you know, and, and the one thing that was consistent, at least in canon and or before canon, was that the Sarlacc Pit always found him ingestible, you know, like that was the line in, in Dark Empire. That's what happened in uh, the Star Wars issue eighty one and for Marvel comic books and back in the eighties and so on and so forth. And what I like about this is when we get to see it, right. Which is rad, which I never thought we'd see it. That was really cool. (laughs) That was was mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, It was a trip. But what's really cool about this difference is that it's all Boba Fett getting himself out. It's it's him. It, he's the one that gets himself out. It's not the Sarlacc pit. Kids like you know. Oh, I don't. I, I don't have the tums next to me. So I'm gonna. You know. I'm gonna, you know. I need to spit you out. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know. Whatever. It, it's actually Boba Fett is the one that he takes himself out, which which I thought yeah. was really cool. Like it's it's actually him getting himself out of it, which I thought was a, a different. I think it's obvious that he would probably do that, but I, I do like the fact they went that route instead of like, I need to puke you up. I don't like the way you taste. You know, it's it's actually yeah. no Boba Fett takes himself out. And I I did I, I don't have an issue with this, but I did thought it was weird. I did think it was weird that a stormtrooper is there just hanging out. I'm like, oh, okay. Like the that's the same thing. I was like, of all I wasn't the... expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought there would maybe I... be a, a weak way, like one of Jabba's guards or something. But I will say, because at first I was. That's what like, I thought too, right? I yeah. was like, man, there were no stormtroopers on the sail barge. Like, why would one be down here? But then if you notice, like, first of all, we know that there were stormtroopers on Tatooine, like, at least in A New Hope. Um, and also, like, I noticed this on my second watch. Like, there's already like acid like wearing holes in that stormtrooper armor, so he's probably been down there a while. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like, why I sure, thought too. It's like we've never seen, you know, we didn't see any stormtroopers fall into the sarlacc, but sure, I guess it's plausible that one could be down there. We know how um, incompetent stormtroopers are, so obviously one's going to fall into a pit in ta- on Tatooine. So, yeah, <laughs> it makes total sense. No, but, but anyway, you can keep going, Paul. No, if I could just jump off of what you were saying, Paul, about the Starlight Pit sequence just to kind of really dive into it. Um, obviously, we were expecting to see it. But for me, I was kind of didn't want to get my 
expectations too high on what they're going to show because I was just expecting or even would have been okay if like the episode starts, we see the Starlight Pit and we just see Boba Fett come out of the Starlight or out of the stand like he did in the episode. But the fact that we actually saw him inside, that's like the media immediately already sold me on the episode as far as I'm loving this because they didn't have to do that. I felt it it still would have worked and been okay if we just saw him coming out. But no, we saw him inside. We saw the inside of the Sarlacc, like you were talking about, Paul. Just what a trip that was. It's just so cool to see and actually physically see him get out of the pit using his flamethrower, making his way through the Sarlacc pit. It was just awesome. And that moment of him coming out of the sand with his new theme kind of being hinted and playing out, it was just awesome. It was everything I was hoping it would be. And But yet it was even better than that because what kicked off that flashback was seeing Camino again. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, we're seeing, I mean, coming off of yeah. what we saw of the Bad Batch of just how depressing but yet so well <laughs> done it was. And just seeing Camino in all its glory or Topoca City in all its glory with Slave 1 out there looking like how it did in episode two. It was just like, oh man, this they're already giving everything I want and more in this first few seconds of this episode. And then getting that those shots of young Boba from Attack of the Clones looking at Jango Fett's helmet. I mean, that was it was great because you just it was just so cool seeing the bridge between, even though it's the same character, the bridge between uh the different parts of his life and the different actors that played him, seeing Tim Morrison in the back to tank. And then we see Daniel Logan reaching for uh Bo- Django's helmet and just Again, just we all know it, but just driving home the point that it's the same character. And for those maybe who are not too forgot forgot about Attack of the Clones, I haven't seen it in a while. Just I'm pretty sure that's maybe why it was done, just to kind of refresh those um, who maybe aren't too familiar with Boba Fett, showing his kind of where he, his character began in the movies and to where he's at now. But for us diehard fans, just seeing that come together into one sequence, seeing uh, this character as a child, as an adult, and then giving us what we've been wanting to see for years of him in the Starlight Pit. It was just awesome. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind how that opening sequence was the highlight of the episode. And again, just immediately selling me on it. It was like uh, just really delivering what I was expecting and more so. So yeah, just that opening sequence, I kept thinking about it (laughs) the next day after I saw it and just couldn't wait to see it again immediately uh, when I got off of work that next day, just went right back and watched that opening sequence. And then later on the whole episode. So I've seen the episode three times, but I've seen that opening sequence um, multiple times. <laughs> I don't, don't have the exact count, but definitely more than three. I just loved it so much and just thought they did a great job of kicking off the series the way they did with showing us what we've been wanting to see. So yeah, that whole opening sequence, I just could not be happier with how it was all delivered and put together for this episode. Yeah, all that stuff was great. And one other thing that I want to call out as far as um, just sort of like callbacks and fan service that was really fun to see. I love when uh, Boba and Fennec walk into um, that cantina there in Mos Espa. Um, I forget what they, I think it's called like Sanctuary or something, a little casino club lounge, whatever, mm. uh, where they meet with the the Twi'lek lady that's running the whole thing. But like as soon as they walk in, you got um, one of the Bith, cantina band members and max rebo yeah. <laughs> jamming out and playing that kind of like spanish guitar version of uh of the cantina band theme that was so fun to hear again and just seeing max rebo i don't know if you guys remember the uh i don't i forget if i sent you guys this after we saw the episode too there was a skit in one of the robot chicken star Wars. yeah stuff. you sent it to me yeah, where, to refresh yeah, my memory. Where, <laughs> where, where max rebo 
uh, survives the explosion of Jabba's sail barge. And he's like, oh, man, I got a gig tonight. And now I'm stranded out here and I got to get to my gig, man. And like he's next to the Sarlacc pit and Boba's down there yelling like, hey, throw me a rope. Help me out of here. And Max goes, like, ah, I can't. I got to get to the gig, man. And so seeing him in that canteen, I was like, Max Rebel made it to the gig, man. I'm so happy. Yeah. So. All right. Can I can I just really quickly just say that I love Max Rebo. I'm a big Max Rebo fan. I hated the new puppet. Hated. It like, did not I, look great. I will agree there. So this is what I said. I don't know if you guys, I, someone said like, I have my, my friend Matt, I think posted like a, a, a meme. He loves memes and was about like, you know, Max Rebo was like, I'm back, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I quoted uh, the tweet and I said, you know, I'm a, I love Max Rebo, but either Star Wars, on, that, either that puppet is terrible or spice on Star Wars is one hell of a drug because it is <laughs> like it. I was like, he looks terrible. He looked so bad. I. It was a little like I'm like, oh, next Rebo. Like, like, did did he ever look really that good to begin with? Yes, he looks way better in Return of the Jedi. He looks amazing. He like, first of all, he looks bigger, way bigger in Return of the Jedi, and that's why yeah. I said like yeah, Spice so must be cocaine down over the last five years. Yeah, he must be on the Spice man because he looks terrible. He's all wrinkly. He doesn't look good. I'm sorry. You do a side by side. It looks. No, it could have done better. Yeah, yeah, you could tell it's it's a. It, it could have done better. I I appreciate the nod, and I give it a for effort. C mediocrity for like execution of the puppet itself. I'm sorry. I I, I know people worked hard on it. I'm sorry. It just the the original OG puppet. It just he looks looks way better. He just looks better. But that's my opinion. I don't know. I, apparently, I wasn't looking that hard at it. I just <laughs> thought it was you were not in there again. So well, on the plus get, side, it was great to see a Captain Rex droid in there too. <laughs> yes, yep. it was in yep. canon, right? Dealing it's not from like Rebels. Team. Yeah, live. Like, it, that's like the first live action Rex droid I think we've seen. I was in Star yeah. Tours, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah because and, in Star um, Tours. And, and the one Rebels. in the cantina at That's right. uh, Galaxy's yeah. <laughs> Edge. Right, right. But the actual live action like TV show. Yeah, yeah. Like on screen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. So, there, like, you know, like I said, we didn't get like a big character reveal or anything, but definitely some fun little cameos and references and stuff in and, there. And, and we talked about a little bit before, before we're, we're done. Um, I will say that the alien that's revealed at the end of the episode, they fight. I, and we talked a little bit, but I, I want to give credit to the to the uh, creators here because I think, I think the, the really interesting thing from our, like if I was if they sat down with us and said, all right, guys do a story on Tatooine. The obviously reaction I would have would be to let's have Banthas. Let's have, you know, you, you all use the, the normal stuff, right? Well, mm-hmm. what does George always do? George always wants to create more and build, build, build. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that they established a new myth, like kind of like I say mythology, but a new. I, I was gonna. I'm gonna. Add, I'm gonna say it. New mythology on Tatooine with this new creature because we don't know what it's a, what this is. And yeah. I, I, I and I gotta tell you, as someone who loves Tatooine as much as I do, because I freaking love Tatooine, and not the knockoffs like Jakku and all those other crap, like mm-hmm. OG Tatooine. Like I freaking was like, oh, I didn't know, not expect that. I didn't. I thought it was gonna be a crack dragon. It wasn't. And I really yeah, like that. I, I like being surprised. Be like baby, I thought it was going to be like a baby crate dragon because if you've seen the art from like Mandalorian season two, like they did the full 
like model of what the crate dragon looks like and like under the sand it has legs it's got like kind of six like short stubby legs that help it like move through the sand you just don't see them above ground so when they right. first found that claw i was like oh is this like another crate dragon and it was something completely different right and i was so racking my brain. Yeah. i was racking my brain trying to think of like have i ever seen this thing yeah. before in any like star wars <laughs> no, video yeah games me or too anything? yeah like, yeah, have yeah. Ever, have i ever fought one of these or you know seen it in some obscure comic or something like that and i'm like no, I think this no. is just a new new thing that they made up. So, which, and yeah, you're right. Really like cool. that's totally that's totally George's style, and I think that's something that Dave emulates from him really well too. So, um, yeah, kudos to them on that. Yeah, and because again, I think the natural thing would be to just do what came before and keep it, you know, whatever, right? But no, like they, mm -hmm. we haven't really seen Womp Rats. I don't think yet. Maybe we have, maybe in like a cartoon. I don't. I don't think we've seen actual. No, Womp we've rats seen yet. them just like out in the streets and stuff. That's right. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm pretty um, sure. Like, even in the original trilogy, I think you see them, like, hopping around. And... That's them in the special edition when the speeder first ventures. Oh, is that them? The I never yeah. knew that. Okay. I yeah. I didn't know if those were the wrong breaths or not. Okay, my bad. Um, But, like, there's, again, I, I, I just think it's really cool that they went and decided to build off the mythology of Tatooine of themselves. And, like, I think they did a great job. I thought it was really cool. And adds it definitely adds to the nature of Tatooine is no joke. It's no, it's not a planet you can just like chill on. Like you got to be on your guard all the time. I, I just, I love how just rich that planet is of just all the different creatures and things on it. So I think it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, now we're at just about an hour of having talked about Book of Boba Fett. We've talked about it for longer than the episode was, but uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty much the first for us for these like 30, 40 minute episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. You know, um, you know, like we said, maybe a couple issues with it and definitely some more stuff we're, we're certainly looking forward to. Um, but I thought it was definitely a solid start to the series. I enjoyed it all the way through for what it's worth, because I know we were talking earlier about some sort of perceived like criticism of it. I looked it up on IMDb and it's got like an 8.1 uh, average audience rating so far, which is pretty good for shows on there. So I would say the majority are, are enjoying it. And that's kind of been my perception, too, of just people that I've seen online and, and people that I've talked to that have watched it. So. Um, and to be good fair start too, and, and looking forward to seeing even more. To be fair too, as far as maybe those not enjoying it, maybe as much as the Mandalorian premieres, those are pretty epic premieres when you talk about Mandalorian yeah. season one and two, their premieres. I mean, season one, the reveal of Baby Yoda that blew everyone's mind. And then season two, you have Boba Fett's armor showing up and they battle the Krayt Dragon. And that's just a great way to kick off a season. And this episode didn't really have moments like those in there I, i'm not using that as a knock against it it's just mm -hmm. the way it was and the way it was developed so i could see for maybe some expecting that type of level of like a bang to kick off the show with and maybe be a little disappointed with that um i can understand it but at the same time even though it didn't have it i just love what we did got and the journey that boba fett took not only in this episode but just how it left things and to know what's to come in future episodes yeah and that's a good comparison because i definitely had that in my head like especially with uh the way that season one of the mandalorian started with the reveal of baby yoda at the end um and you know so for this now being a new show and being its own thing i was kind of expecting something along the way or, or some reveal at the end that was going to kind of be like oh now it makes sense like oh this is yeah. what the story for this show is about <laughs> and we didn't really get that we haven't gotten that yet but yeah so for me it was kind of it was kind of the opposite. The very beginning was that moment for me. <laughs> that was like yeah. the mind blowing section for me was the very beginning and not the end, like the other two uh, premieres for the Mandalorian. But 
I'm yeah. totally fine with it. Just mixing things up a bit. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, I'm sure there are plenty of big moments to come. So oh, yes. <laughs> um, looking forward to uh, all of that good stuff. Um, but let's move on from that. We not only have a new show, we've also got a big new video game that was revealed recently. Um, this is back at the Game Awards back at the beginning of, I think it was beginning of December, so about a yeah. month ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, we... I think we had had rumors that, you know, there might be something Star Wars coming out from this. Um, and we got a new game revealed called Star Wars Eclipse with this whole cinematic trailer that just looks gorgeous um, and and really kind of blew me away with just all the stuff that you see going on in this trailer. And it's uh, set during the High Republic. It's developed by a studio called Quantic Dream and um, is, is apparently like we don't know a whole lot about what the actual game is going to be because this is just a cinematic trailer that just shows, um, you know, a lot of characters and environments and and just like a, just kind of a smorgasbord of Star Wars stuff going on in that time period. Um, and it's kind of hard to nail down even like what the story of the game is going to be about. Um, but just a lot of cool action, a lot of impressive visuals, but um, just some of the information that's come out about the game, it's going to kind of be like a, a very story focused, um, kind of like with some some action adventure elements to it, like multiple characters, multiple storylines, decisions that you'll make that will affect different endings. Um, really kind of hard to pin down at this point, like exactly what the game is going to be. But from the cinematic trailer, it just looks fantastic i mean you know it's one of those things where like you watch the trailer you're like i don't even know what this is or what it's about but i can't wait to get to play it um and we see all kinds of stuff in there from like you know jedi training and sparring with their lightsabers to uh space battles with these new kind of starfighters we've never seen before battling over like a trade federation lucre hulk battleship um which is cool because you know again this being like high republic it's like 200 years before phantom menace so it's like this is either you know, the trade federation that we know um, just kind of earlier in their history, or maybe a, a different group or something that's using some of the same ships. We do see some Nemoidians in there, so it would make sense. Yeah. To, still the trade that's, that's true. We see Nemoidians. We see uh, these uh, sort of gray, intimidating, mysterious looking aliens like banging on drums and looking very sort of. They just have like a Sith cultist kind of vibe to them. We don't know if there's going to be any connection to, to Sith or Dark Side or whatever. And then at the end, they uh, sort of raise this this one figure up out of a pit that he's like covered in black tar and stuff, and kind of turns and reveals himself. Um, and again, I'm sure that'll be some sort of dark force cult leader or something that's probably going to be like a major villain in the game. Um, but again, you know, not really knowing much about specific characters or stories or anything, uh, you know, what did you guys think just first impressions from the trailer and, and kind of what are you looking forward to about this game? Yeah. I mean, you said it as far as how visually it just looks stunning. I mean, it's as good as a CG cinematic trailer you're going to get, but what I love about it, at least in the first few uh, seconds of the trailer, just how, when I was first watching, it just kept you guessing, what is this? What is it? You just couldn't quite pinpoint what it's actually going to be. And there was one point where I actually thought, oh, it's a Cad Bane game. Because you see a moment where there's a Duros walking around this town. And he's like has this brown cloak over him. And I was like, oh, this kind of Cad Bane in hiding or something like that. But it quickly moved on to where he wasn't the focus of this trailer. Um, and then as it started going along and I saw some of the different ships and uh, what's I think once we saw Yoda 
in the Jedi Temple looking out of the window of the Jedi Council chamber. That's where I kind of probably figured this is probably going to be High Republic. It would make sense that obviously Yoda, but everything in the going on in the publishing right now, the focus is the High Republic, and it would make sense that there would be a game in that era uh, to eventually come out. So when it was revealed that it was in the High Republic era, I was like, okay, cool. I mean, it's there's definitely new stuff in there that we haven't seen in the comics, or I haven't read every book in the High Republic era, but stuff that didn't kind of fit the descriptions and characters and locations that I've seen or read in the High Republic just yet. And it looks cool. And it just makes me wonder, though, and we'll, we'll see if there'll still be a factor into it, but having it being set in the High Republic, and maybe it's after the threat's over, but there was looks to be no sign of the Nile or the Drengear at all in this cinematic trailer. So I'm wondering if this is going to be something totally separate from that conflict that's over with by the time this game comes out or if this takes place before that even happens. But um, it'll be interesting to see exactly how connected it's going to be to that threat. Or By the time this game comes out, we'll see when that be. Maybe the whole thing with the Nile and that whole all the phases of the High Republic era and the novels is going to be done. And this is going to be something totally different and maybe kind of be a bridge between what's going on in publishing to leaving up to the Alkalite series. Maybe this will kind of be like a, a bridge or a stopgap between uh, the timelines between the High Republic from the novels ending up to the TV show, since we know that's going to be at the end of the High Republic era. So there's a lot of stuff to speculate on, but it's definitely exciting. It looked gorgeous, and um, it's kind of cool to be getting a game that is set in the High Republic era. Well, it definitely shows you that they're really serious about the High Republic, which is really cool, because I, I think one of the things about, for me, it, it, it felt when they first announced it, it was strictly just comics and books, and that's it. Yeah. And, and that that was one thing that was really cool about the Acolyte and now this video game. They are all in on this publishing line. And I think they're and, – and maybe they were waiting for the response, so just a general response at first. And I think it, the High Republic has been mostly positive. I mean, I, I mean, we we on here have liked a lot of it or you know, a good chunk of it. We haven't loved everything of, of it. It's been – you know I think at, at best, you know, solid. At worst, um, it's been mediocre. Which it's it's kind of like it's if you're I guess if you're in the business sense you want to be somewhere in there because or obviously you want to go shoot for the best but it's not going to happen but you're expecting for people to at least for the most part enjoy it for them and I think that's most Star Wars fans in general have enjoyed the High Republic more so than not again in general not everyone's going to love everything I don't love everything the High Republic's given me but I've liked a good chunk of it too. I think this video game is really cool, and I mean, it looks stunning what they've given us. But from the, again, these cutscenes we're getting, these random cutscenes, uh, I think the, the what we're getting is potentially what, what you're saying, uh, Tim Nihil, um, probably a post story. I mean, they, they, I think the Drengear are done now. I think yeah, that story has been wrapped up. We haven't really talked about it. I gotta say, they were a major disappointment as far as their role in the overall story. <laughs> That's a whole other topic, but I was disappointed with how they were used. Yeah, yeah they were cool I love their designs and kind of their backstory, but it was never really amounted to anything, in my opinion. But yeah, no, no, I'm good without the drinker. Um, but the <laughs> Nihil, but but the Nihil though, I think are really interesting. I, mostly because Martian Rowe, I, I think he is yeah. been a fascinating character. He's been, I think, one of the bright spots of the High Republic. Um, I think the big problem with the High Republic right now has always been not having a dark side, um, some kind of dark side nemesis. And I think right now the Nihil are 
this that stop gap right now. And I think they're eventually going to give us this uh, a different set of, of characters and villains to go from. And I think we're going to get that with this game potentially and the Acolyte. And I think that this game could be... T- I think also... If you're not really sure what Martian Rowe, um, his he's fascinating. I think he's easily the most interesting aspect of the High Republic thus far, besides just kind of the current state of the force. Those two things are, I think are right now the, the what's driving the High Republic. Martian Rowe's race of alien, I think potentially could be, and, I, and I'm not this other people have said this already. Uh, dark, uh, dark chocolate, uh, dark taco, uh, who I've got the pleasure of getting to know recently. Um, he kind of, I think, on one of his TikToks or videos, have talked about how th- he thinks that this those race could be Martian Rowe. Like, oh, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. That could be what we could be, or, or could be seeing on this as well, because uh, he's a gray alien. Um, so that could be potentially, you know, if, if you're not following along with that, Martian Rowe is a big deal right now. The end of that series of that last book, it's still I'm like really perplexed what what's going on. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of kind of intrigue there. I kind of wonder if maybe that's what that that could be it. Like maybe Martian Rose, kind of like the gateway of these characters that we're going to be introduced um, in the High Republic in general. Because I kind of think that the video game and the and the books are probably going to be all connected in some way, um, one way or another. And so whether it be the, because it sounds like the game is going to have multiple, from what we understand, multiple people you can you can, you can play as. And potentially different outcomes. And if that's the case, then the all the end of the game has to be the same outcome. So maybe the there's there is an end game story for this um, for the game and for the comic books and books that have. And if that's the case, I wonder if Marchion Rowe is that key. But maybe he's not. I don't know. But it's really intriguing. Well, that's the question. Is you know, are you going to have all these branching narratives that still have to end at a certain point so that it's canon and you can connect it to the storyline of the books and all that stuff? Or is it just going to be an original story with no connection to anything else so that you can have these different outcomes and let the players have choice and it doesn't really impact anything because it doesn't have to line up with the books and the TV shows and stuff. And that's kind of my biggest question with this. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this too with like the, with this game, with the Acolyte series, with, um, you know, even the rumors that we've heard of a potential movie set during the High Republic, like as far as we know, none of it really seems to have any connection to the the characters and the storylines that have been established in the books so far. Right. Um, which on the one hand, I think is fine because like you don't want those writers to have to be, you know, sort of change their storylines or their their narratives for those characters based on what somebody's doing in a movie that's coming out, you know, two years from now or, or whatever. Um, and we even talked about it with like when the high Republic was first announced, we were all excited about it because it's like, they can do whatever they want here. It's a blank slate and it doesn't have to line up with the movies. Um, and so, but also like, because the star Wars galaxy is so vast and whatever, like you can do video games and TV series and movies in that same time period, telling stories that are happening within that same era that don't necessarily connect to whatever is going on with the books. Um, you know, there's, there's other, there's room for other stuff in the galaxy to be going on, but at the same time, it can be a little bit confusing because then like, if you're using that same, just sort of branding language or or whatever, just calling it the high Republic, I think there's going to be some expectation that it's going to be connected to other stuff that people know and love from the high Republic. And even, 
some of the stuff that we've seen in in the books with like the just the great disaster and the starlight beacon and all that some of that stuff is big enough that like you would expect there to be some connection to it or at least some reference to it um and that could even be something that maybe in this game like they also i just checked the the page for it on starwars.com and they talk a lot about it happening in the outer rim and that there's kind of a lot of room to sort of chart your own story and there's a lot of sort of unexplored territory and, and unexplored stories going on in the outer rim in this in this time period so maybe you'll be out in the outer rim and hear people talk about the great disaster or starlight beacon or whatever like stuff that's happening closer to coruscant and sort of more in the galactic core and it could just sort of inform some of like the backstory and the world building for this game but not really be connected to any of the of the, the main storylines of the characters that you're playing as so i think that would kind of be a good way to go about it to kind of still build that synergy and have that interconnectivity without having to sort of tie down whatever uh you know uh, opportunities you have in the game to have to line up with with books and stuff like that well i mean you can have the the cool thing about i think this um this the idea of having different narratives within the game like again i'm not a big gamer this is more of a concept that's newer and people really like you can do that i think in a canon game just can't have those characters be monumental people right so so that's that's the kind of the problem you have is you either have like regardless your characters will die at the end or whatever or you you establish somehow they're never you're never going to get to that point. They're not going to be this major character. You can be good or bad or whatever. It doesn't matter. I kind of feel it's it's going to be somewhere in between. There'll be some kind of choosing, but you can't really do more than that if that makes any sense. Um, but I, I think either way, this game is going to be canon. I, I don't think it's not going to be. Um, mm. But but at the same time, I, I think it's really cool that they're, they're going for it. Uh, you know, like like I've said before. It definitely feels like they're, they're, this is all a testing ground for eventually the Old Republic to come back in full swing. And I, it feels very much like that to me. I, I know I've said it before, and, and, and there, I think the High Republic's been a, a financial su uh, success. And But I really do feel like this is a quasi kind of test run for they may eventually go Old Republic one way or another because – or public going to be a huge deal when it comes back, when it becomes Canon and you actually, it's not just a, a live online game. Like it is now. And that's just kind of like this got a, a, such a devoted following that, you know, it's been made able to you know stay alive, whatever. When they fully go, imagine them doing all this for the old Republic. It would be gigantic. Like everyone knows anyone gaming wise, Star Wars fans, casual Star Wars fans that are, do a dabble in the books and comics and video games, they know they hear Old Republic, they know exactly where to go. They know exactly what that means. And I think it's very intentional they've only done High Republic stuff because I feel like they're gearing things up, they're gauging everything because I think when they go Old Republic, they're going to go full blow, they're going to go full blow bore into it. It's not going to be just kind of let's wait and see what happens. They're going to be movies, books. It's going to be a massive thing, which is, makes sense because it's a massive franchise within a franchise. Let's be real. It's it's like it's it goes Skywalker saga. Like that's going to be the, the never. It's going to be hard to ever do that. Mandalorian, and then Old Republic. Like like Mandalorian you know, before it was Skywalker saga. Old Republic now is it. Now it's Mandalorian. It's like right there. I mean, it's on the heels of the Skywalker saga. Then it goes Old Republic. It's it, that is a franchise, franchise within a franchise, and it's going to be, it's a lucrative, lucrative thing. 
And I feel like that's what they're kind of building up to eventually and figuring out how they kind of do a massive interconnected thing that the old Republic does because with the sequel trilogy, they never, they didn't, they didn't really do that for obvious reasons and for you know things that I don't want to get into, but with the old Republic, it's tailor made for interconnected things, which I know we have one more thing to talk about, which we'll, we'll talk about what kind of, it's kind of its own kind of rogue, no pun intended kind of thing. No, seriously, a rogue kind of I franchise, but the old Republic is something that you can just, it's, it's a big deal. So I feel the high Republic is like the precursor for them to figure out how they're going to do the old Republic. But I feel like this is a great introduction of, of what they could do. And I think it's really exciting. It looks amazing. Everything looks fantastic and it looks, and it feels different. I think it's, it's also pushing boundaries. So I, I obviously can't wait for this game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I hope it turns out great. There is some stuff that we got to mention um, sort of a, a negative side to all this. That's, that's kind of clouded the, um, the reaction and the, the hype to this um, announcement, which is that Quantic Dream um, which is the studio that's developing this game. Like a lot of game studios right now, unfortunately, is kind of going through some controversy where they've had some some lawsuits against them alleging like toxic workplace behavior. The uh, founder and like one of the executives at the company, David Cage, um, has made some like misogynistic and hobo- uh, homophobic comments. Um, and, you know, at first I saw some people saying like, oh, well, you know, like we don't know if he's involved in the game, but then like he tweeted about it and and made it sound like he certainly was involved to some extent and was talking about how proud he is of the work that the team is doing on it and blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's a lot of people that are unhappy that, you know, that he's involved in something Star Wars related. And the fact that Lucasfilm hasn't even addressed it um, up to this point, as far as I know, which like, you know, you would think they have to be aware of of all this stuff that's going on. Um, and so, I don't know, just something that I feel like it's it's important to bring attention to. There are some people that are, you know, have started a, a boycott campaign against the game and are sort of calling for Lucasfilm to take the project away from Quantic Dream and give it to a different studio, which I just don't know how feasible that is. Like, I mean, I can't think of a, another time when we've seen like a game in development um, at a certain studio where then like a licensee or somebody that was sort of in charge of the property said, okay, we're going to take all the assets and all the work that you've done and just take it away from you and give it to a different studio. Like, I don't even know if they can legally do that. Um, and I think it would just kind of be a nightmare for, for another studio and people that have never touched it and never worked on, you know, these, these assets and the the coding of it and everything to try to take over that and, and just kind of pick up where somebody else left off. I mean, heck we saw, you know, even with Star Wars games, like nobody ever came in and finished like Battlefront 3 or Star Wars 1313 or any of those canceled games back in the day. Um, so I don't know that that would ever happen, but I do think, you know, hopefully Lucasfilm will at least address this or there'll be some kind of, um, I don't know, positive resolution to this situation and some sort of assurance that um, that sort of negative influence is not going to seep into this game. Um, but also it sounds like, um, you know, there's kind of been some rumors and rumblings that even sort of production on the game might not be going all that smoothly. Um, I saw a video the other day from a Star Wars gaming channel that I follow on YouTube, Battlefront Updates. Um, and he was citing uh, a video that this guy named Tom Henderson did, who I guess is sort of an industry insider, um, and a, a gaming writer and journalist. And, um, he was kind of reporting on some stuff going on at Quantic Dream that like, because of these allegations and and sort of their reputation for this negative work environment and stuff that like they've got a lot of open positions on the development team for this game that they are having trouble uh filling 
um, and that, you know, people are kind of staying away from them because of all this bad press and stuff. And so they're not even operating at full capacity right now. And there's some other stuff about uh, some potential issues with production on the game and that, um, and you know, they even talked about in the announcement, making it sound exciting that this is like the most ambitious game that they've ever worked on. But along with that, they, it sounds like they might be having some issues with their, their game engine, being able to handle the scope and scale of everything that they're trying to do. And, you know, they're having issues with just, you know, bugs and, and I don't know all the, the gaming coding stuff that goes into it, but, um, you know, it sounds like there might be some trouble behind the scenes already. So warning you all up front, uh, you know, I would not be surprised if this ends up being uh, just another sort of casualty on on the, the heap of canceled Star Wars projects at some point down the line, or at least maybe something that undergoes massive changes. And again, I don't think they would ever like just take the game away from Quantum Dream and give it to somebody else. But who knows, maybe the studio gets bought out by a larger publisher. Maybe they bring in another studio to help them work on it. Um, I don't know. I, we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on it and, uh, and see how this situation develops. It certainly seems like either way, like even if the game comes out in its, you know, in the state that it seems like it's in right now, it's probably going to be a few years. Um, I guess Quantic Dream has a reputation for for taking a long time to develop their games and then being really involved in stuff. And so, um, well, didn't they say that already too? Like, then they they said they said you know it was more of an announcement. More of, it's more it felt like more of an announcement of them like this is project is is happening more than anything. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there there wasn't like a release date given. Like they said, you know, it's going to take some time, and so I, that's what I'm saying is I don't think any like nobody's expecting this game to come out later this year anyways i think if anything you know maybe like holiday 2023 at the earliest but maybe even beyond that but i'm just saying because of some of these issues and stuff it could take even longer than that if the game ever even does see the light of day so who knows i'm just saying you know it's going to be a long road regardless and you know we'll see what ends up happening what ends up coming of all this you know controversy and these reports and stuff but it could uh you know, there could be a lot, a lot more that happens and a lot more to the story over the course of time um, leading up to whenever this my, does come out. My prediction right now, I, I, I would be shocked. I'm not sure if it will happen. I, I will be shocked if this gets canceled one way or another. I will be shocked. I would be mm. too, especially considering that they already, you know, like Lucasfilm felt obviously felt confident enough in it to put all the work into this uh, cinematic trailer that they did. And I don't know if this was like if it was Quantic Dream that made the trailer and these cinematics or, you know, I know sometimes they have outside like animation studios that will just do like cinematic trailers for these games. Um, but, you know, whatever the case, I'm sure there was a significant amount of like time and money and resources that just went into making this trailer. So I don't think they would do that if things were so rocky that it was like this game probably isn't going to happen. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, I mean, again, we've already had multiple canceled Star Wars games. We've had canceled Star Wars movies. You know, we've had canceled but, shows now, even with, uh, you know, Rangers of the New Republic. That, but not we, that been this far in development, it, though. But we don't know no, really how far it is. That's Exactly, yeah. See, we I'm don't know thinking how where it's like, far this is in development. If Lucasfilm, like, really decides that, you know, they listen to the fans who are upset about this and kind of feel that they should... Like put a stop to it. I don't think it would be like a total loss if they do decide to like cancel the game Agreed. because it was so early in development that it wouldn't be something that they'd be like be right. worried about. Oh, we lose all this money or whatnot. They could still take the concept of 
a high republic game and just have another studio develop it it might be something totally different but yet we'd still be getting a high republic game that's not by a studio with all these problems and accusations against them yeah right right but again it it's just perplexing because like you know lucasfilm had to be aware of that stuff and exactly and so for them to i just don't don't see them putting out the trailer and then going like oh i guess people are upset about that like you know it's almost like using the trailer to test the waters to see what the reaction is and if they should cancel it or not if that's the case just make an announcement without exactly you know yeah and and let's put let's put it this way too i when i I rewatched the trailer right before we recorded and you know how many uh, views it has 10 million or 8 10 million like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I was like, I was like, what? I mean, the thing is, and again, I, I don't, I don't want to get into like the politics of it really. Besides the fact that like it sucks that this guy is like is allegedly said some awful things. Uh, at this point, I mean, if they, if they felt that strongly about about the the reaction people are getting, I think they would have canceled it by now. Because it's because let's be real, the longer it goes. And again, if you're one, if you're listening to this and you really want you want them to get out now, the longer it goes without a cancellation, the likelihood of them canceling it for that reason, at, I, again, it gets it gets far and far less likely they're going to cancel it, in my yeah. opinion. Well, and, so, and again, I mean, it's it's all about money too. Like you can have the right. most, you know, the the highest moral reasons for it, but like if they've already spent a significant amount of See, like invested a lot yeah. of time and money into this game and have contracts with quantum dream and whatever like they're not going to just pull the exactly. plug on a whim but and again that's why i think it's important like i i i don't think they're going to outright cancel it and i definitely don't like i like i said i just don't know what the the possibilities or the implications are or anything of them like transferring it to a different studio or trying to take quantum dream off of the project or just trying to take david cage off of the project and you know limit his involvement in it or whatever like i don't know what their options are here but it is i don't know it's it's uh just sort of odd that like lucasfilm hasn't even commented on this when like they've i mean heck they you know they fired people for for less um they tend to try to avoid this kind of controversy and and we know this is not sort of what they stand for and and what the messaging of star wars is about so um right i don't know i I think they i think they have to address it at some point like this i would be shocked if we get to you know two three years from now the game comes out and and nothing out of the ordinary happens with all this i'll be honest man like uh, if people if the movement that's on Twitter right now or in general, it's the, or I would say either the movement, the gaming, not just again, it has to be bigger than Star Wars. It has to be a bigger movement outside of like, or pushing the, for this guy to get out. That's what's going to make Star Wars go, okay, we got to say something. But again, the longer it goes and the less, less movement there is on this and there's less pushback or, or whatever. And it, again, I hate to say it, they're not going to respond. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to at this point because the difference with the, the Amy Henning game, and the only reason I know her name is because you guys have said it so many times on, on these review shows we've done or whatever, but that whole Amy Henning game didn't even get as far as this did. Like this got like, it's been like announced. Here's a trailer. I mean, they never got past the point of concept. Like at that point they had, they had ideas, you know, as far as like where they wanted to go, but it never got past where it needed to go at this point to announce of like, you know, here's a concept, here's a name. Like it's a big deal. The fact they went out that far, 
it would be a huge upset if this game gets canceled, be, you know, for any reason at this point, in my opinion. So again, for better or for worse, I'm not saying I it shouldn't be because if this guy really said those things is awful, then maybe we should, you know, establish it. I don't know. It's a whole different thing, but I just don't think it's going to get canceled unless either unless the whole gaming community goes against against us and it becomes a big, big, big deal. Because right now it's a small deal. Again, not saying what he did is a small deal. But as far as people asking for this game to be canceled and everything and, and, and this guy to be taken out, it's not as big as what's going on as for that uh, big enough for Lucasfilm to say, we're not dealing with, dealing with this at this point. Just not, it's just not there yet. And maybe it will, but I think it would be, I, I just don't see it happening at this point. I think if it was going to happen, this was the time because what's how much bigger can you get in Star Wars? I mean, it's, now's the time now would be the time for him to get axed or whatever yeah i mean i and i don't know who knows maybe they're just waiting and they're hoping that it'll it'll blow over um, that's my point it's start it's even i think even now it's starting to blow over i mean i don't i i don't see it i don't see people talking about it they gotta know it's gonna come up again though at some point like right right that's my my point yeah i don't think they can go like two years without addressing this and not expect it to to come back to bite them at some point and for this to resurface again and, and, and maybe celebrations people aren't, people aren't just going to for you know people aren't going to just forget so and, um, and like i said maybe celebrations a litmus test maybe that's where they're going to be like well if people really freak out and it's like you know everyone's like boo or whatever i mean like i, I just i just don't see it more people i'll be honest movies. i don't think we're going to see anything from this game at celebration I think EA's got enough stuff in the works that they haven't shown yet that mm, is probably going to be okay. revealed there. And we've also got the Ubisoft game and some other studios. Because uh, right. remember, I think it's maybe the end of this year that uh, either end of this year or sometime next year, the EA's exclusivity license. Um, it's next year, I so, think. Yeah, well, it started in 2013 and it was it was a 10-year contract. So I, again, techn- I don't know if it's technically like end of 2022 or if it's at some point in 2023. But we've, we're going to start getting Star Wars games from other studios like Quantic Dream, like Ubisoft and, and others. So I think, I mean, especially if they are trying to, to wait for this to blow over or just kind of wait and see what happens with this, I don't think they're going to bring it up at Celebration. I think it's going to be a lot of EA stuff. I think we'll get Jedi Fallen Order 2 announced. Um, and I think we might get something from the Ubisoft game or maybe even get uh, something announced from a different studio. Oh, also, you know, of course, we got the KOTOR remake in development, too. So I think they've got plenty of Star Wars gaming stuff they can hype up at Celebration um, without, you know, just sort of bringing up the controversy that's going on with this. So um, who knows? And and look, to that end, too, like, we've got plenty of exciting Star Wars games on the horizon that if this did get canceled and, you know, whether Lucasfilm pulled the plug on it or whether it just kind of fell apart because Quantic Dream is having issues with it or whatever, like we've got plenty of other stuff. I wouldn't necessarily be heartbroken because we're going to have plenty of other cool Star Wars games to play, but like yeah, this does seem, true, you know, true. it's a cool, tra- cool trailer and a cool concept. And so I hope that something positive comes of all this. Um, but time will tell. We shall see. Um, but with that, let's move on to our final topic of the night, uh, which is some much more exciting this. news, albeit stuff that we really have nothing to go on aside from yeah. the <laughs> And the way all this started, for those of you that haven't heard, I'm sure a lot of you have probably seen this by now floating around out on Twitter, but uh, Lucasfilm sent out a gift, like a, a holiday gift to their employees. And it was in this sort of Lucasfilm branded uh, gift box that's got like the Lucasfilm logo on it. 
and down the sides of the box, it's got the logos for like all of the projects that Lucasfilm currently has in production. It's got Indiana Jones 5, The Book of Boba Fett, Star Wars Andor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Willow, The Bad Batch, Star Wars Visions, and this logo for Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, which hasn't been announced, hasn't really even been, you know, rumored or speculated about, you know, it's not one of those like unofficially unconfirmed things, at least that I've heard about. This was totally new to me, but everybody saw this and was like, wait, what is that? Um, and it had me wondering, I, we'll get into all the speculation of like what Tales of the Jedi could be. And again, we we could end the episode right here or we could go on for another hour just throwing out wild speculation because literally what I just said, that's all the concrete info we have to go off <laughs> on. This. There yep. was a logo on a Lucasfilm gift box. Um, this could have been a project that was canceled and they didn't have time to take it off the box. It could be maybe they intentionally put it on there to be like a holiday surprise for the fans. Like here's a little holiday gift from us to all the fans. Cause they had to know this was going to get out. Like people every year post pictures of like the Lucasfilm Christmas cards and gifts and even, um, you know, crew members that like work on the shows and stuff, post pictures of like the gifts that they get for production and all the hats and jackets that have Obi-Wan logos on them and all that kind of stuff. So they had to know that this was going to get out. And so I'm just wondering how did we get to this point where the logo for a Star Wars series that hasn't been announced yet was on this gift box that they had to know that everybody was going to see? And again, my my theories are, again, worst case scenario, I hope this is not the case and I don't think it is, but this could be a concept that they thought was going to be going into production that ended up getting canceled and they just didn't take it off the box. But I think the most likely scenario is probably that this was something that was going to be announced at Disney plus day and wasn't for whatever reason, because we talked about back then, like how sort of disappointing it was that there was like, all we got was that Boba Fett documentary and the little sizzle reel for Obi-Wan. And I think everybody was expecting more. There was all these rumors that we were going to get an Obi-Wan trailer, like a full trailer with footage. And we were going to get some new announcements. And there was even like rumors of like a Darth Maul animated series, like with Crimson Dawn that was going to get announced and stuff like that. And so there was all this potential stuff and then nothing really happened. Um, but there was even like a little montage thing at the end of Disney plus day where they showed some logos for some different shows. And I think they had like Andor and bad batch in there. And like, they hadn't even shown those during the presentation or talked about them during the day. And so people were speculating just the fact that those logos were in there, like, Oh, they must've been intending to show stuff for those originally and then ended up scrapping it. And so I'm wondering if this tales of the Jedi was also, maybe something that was intended to be announced at that point for whatever reason, their plans changed last minute. And I hope it wasn't because the show has been canceled or anything like that or show movie, whatever it is. Um, but I, I think, I think, you know, a month ago or whenever they started producing these holiday gifts, they put that logo on there with the intention that they were going to have announced that show by this point. Um, and then for whatever reason, their plans for announcing it changed, but the logo was already on the box and it was too late to go back and reprint and reorder and reship all these holiday gift boxes that they, that they had gotten. Um, that's just my theory. I have no idea. Um, but as far as Tales of the Jedi itself, you know, like you were talking about earlier, Paul, you know, that was a comic series that was set during the, the Old Republic. Um, and I haven't actually read those comics myself, but like I'm just familiar with the stories of them because some of that lore and those characters is tied into the KOTOR games. And if you've played like 
in in Knights of the Old Republic one, there's references to some of those characters like uh like Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider and, and characters Ugh. that are in those comics. And then in Kotor Two, uh <laughs> the planet so the in, in Kotor Two, the planet Onderon plays a big Onderon! in uh Woo! in that storyline, and they they talk about the beast wars of Onderon and stuff that also happens in the Tales of the Jedi comics. So this could be something set in the Old Republic, which would not be surprising considering that, A, you know, Kathleen Kennedy said a couple of years ago that they were developing something set in that era. Um, and then also, you know, like more recently, we heard rumors that we might be getting a movie set in the Old Republic. So that could be the title of the Old Republic movie. That could also be, it could be a live action series. It could be an animated series. We have no idea what it could be, but it could be something set in the High Republic that, or it, the, the Old Republic that is... Um, you know, sort of tying into maybe some of those old Tales of the Jedi stories from Legends. But also, I mean, that name is so generic. It could be Tales of Luke Skywalker. It could be Tales of Jedi in the High Republic. It could be set after Episode Nine. Like, all we know is that it's some Star Wars project involving Jedi. And that is enough to get me excited because I love Jedi and Jedi lore and Jedi mythology. And, and you give me a new Star Wars story with Jedi in it and I'm there. So, um you know, with the, the possibilities are endless, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm super excited for this. I hope they announce it soon, um, and we get some sort of official announcement as to what this actually is. Because as of right now, we have no idea. But this was uh, just a fun surprise to get and speculate about over the holidays, as this just kind of popped up out of nowhere. I could go on so long about this. I know we've debated a lot if we should cover this, but I think. Um, keeping it for more of just kind of what of face value, what it can mean. And like you said, Kyle, I, I'm a giant tales of the Jedi fan. And before the, before the old Republic, you youngins, there was tales of the Jedi and, <laughs> and Tim can vouch for that. Uh, tales of the Jedi is, is a fantastic miniseries that, um, it's, it's a, a collection of miniseries you can you read right now on Marvel Unlimited. Um, they're re-releasing, um, it's interesting, they're re-releasing the uh, epic Marvel epic series, uh, comic book series. The, uh, volume one was the, um, uh, it, it's under Tales of the Jedi. It's Tales of the Jedi epic uh, collection number one. And that collects the uh, Dawn of the Jedi comic series, which is not technically Tales of the Jedi, but they're putting it under there. Now, one of the things I've talked about before, and I think we, we texted on this when, when we, this was announced, and I was like blown away. I went, what the hell is this? Um, what I think is so genius about the concept of Tales of the Jedi, you already touched on, Kyle, and I, I'm just going to leave it here You know, as we're kind of going almost two hours here. I'm going to say this right now that I think it's genius for them to use this branding because – with Old Republic, with High Republic, the, the, what's genius about those and the, the whole franchise within a franchise is that it, it, you know exactly what you're getting from that. And you can build off that and, and everything. The thing with Tales of the Jedi is with that whole idea of, of a franchise is that it could be anything. It could be like the Old Republic and the High Republic. You could, you, you, you could be a book or comic or whatever. But with Tales of the Jedi, it could be a movie, book or TV or cartoon series or whatever. But you could do any era, any time, anytime you want. There's no rules, regulations on this. I mean, you could, you theoretically could do a nine Jedi, the ninth Jedi uh, continuation under Tales of the Jedi, mm -hmm. and just be and just be like, here it is Tales of the Jedi is the ninth Jedi. It's not part of the um, you know the 
Star Wars Visions. It's actually Tales of the Jedi, and here you go. And this is we're going to continue it that way. It could be that series, or it could be a video game. It could be a comic book, and they don't have to be connected in the same era. They could be all over the place in any yep. era, and that's the genius of the branding of Tales of the Jedi. And it's and the original logo looks incredible, and I I. I'm just going to say this right now. I don't think this was going, this is a canceled or maybe it could be a canceled thing. Like you're saying, Kyle, and I don't think it is either, but I think either way, I think this is going to be a branding. They're going to be using for all kinds of different things in star Wars for, for this. And I think it's genius because now you can use this. And the original logo is always looked very star Wars to me. It's always been, yeah, it's classic. A very, it, it looks class. It looks it. It's so perfect. They don't even have to touch it. Like like oh, we don't have to rebrand it, reorganize it because it already looks amazing. And I love the fact that that's. And again, I think it it is. I'm right on this. That they are so confident in the branding of Tales of the Jedi that they know they don't have to change the logo. They just release it as is. It looks amazing. And they can just go from there because it's always going to be that logo of Tales of the Jedi. But whatever that story is, they can. That's where the branding of that that you could sell, like the story name or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. That could be the T-shirts or whatever, right? Or you, that could be the the branding of that specific project. Um, I, I think that this obviously was going to be some kind of animation, live action TV show or movie. I think we're going to get some kind of announcement soon. I, I don't think it's it's a coincidence. It's on this this uh, record player uh, for you know it, it it's on there for a reason, and I think that with with it it's going to be really exciting. But I have no idea what it is, and I think like I think your guess is was probably the best one, Kyle. Was that the, it probably was going to be a Disney Plus show of some sort because it was Disney Plus seemed weird. They didn't have any announcements for anything. But whatever the but I think what, what's so again, I'm just going to echo again and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Tim. I just think it's amazing that, that this <clears throat> this could exist because I, I just think that you could there's so many endless possibilities with it. And I think that there's I, I, I would not be shocked if this ends up being the replacement of Rogue Squadron that with with Patty Jenkins film. I would not be shocked if Tales of Jedi is that announcement. And um I don't know. Like, I just think that that's very much what we're in line with. And I think that this uh, very well could be announced anytime. And I can't wait because it's a genius idea. And I, and I think that the, you could go all over the timeline and I can't wait to see it. And I, I, I just, I want this announcement as soon as possible, because if this, if this is a thing that's canceled, I'm going to be cry because I love tales of the Jedi. I love it. And I just hope, and it, I would love for you to see XR Kun come back or Nomi Sunrider, uh, Sun, Sunder or Sunrider or whatever her name is. Um, you know, have her show up. You know, Ulick, all those people I love in the comic books, love them for them to show up again. So, yeah, give me those uh, those characters. And uh, I, I don't think this is going to be canceled. I do think we'll see some kind of announcement hopefully soon. Yeah, I agree. I think if I were to guess, I would put money on exactly what you Scott said Kyle about it happening as far as supposed to be announced earlier and they put it on that box thinking it would be and for whatever reason it didn't get it and they were stuck with that box <laughs> listing all those shows <laughs> on there or movie we don't know what it is but um yeah I mean the possibilities of it are exciting I mean of course immediately when you see it you think of those original comics with the Tales of the Jedi title and banner on those issues and how cool it would be to see those if those are made in canon now but at the same time as you were guys were saying, it just makes 
so much sense. And it would be a genius move, like you were saying, Paul, for it to just span across any timeline that you want. Just go crazy with it as far as picking the era you want to tell those stories. Because Tales of the Jedi, is it just you're free to do whatever you want with a title like that for your series. And part of me thinks, too, if uh, having Star Wars Visions kind of be that first like anthology series of of that first season having these different shorts of stories taking place across different time periods and being self-contained. I wonder if they just saw the success of that and would think that Tales of the Jedi would be, that would be another cool way to use that format to tell short stories set in different time periods. Not necessarily, necessarily sure if it'll be another anime, but just in that same style of storytelling where it is shorts and it's an anthology series where it's all over the place in the timeline but at the same time too it could work for if you're just doing a normal series where um, a few episodes would be in one timeline and other episodes here would be a different timeline or even heck if you want to have a long if you consider this to be a long-running series having each season be a different era and you really want to flesh out a particular timeline with characters and a story having each season be a different era would be cool but um Right now, I'm kind of guessing, if I were to guess exactly what it's going to be, and I had to make a a gun to my head uh, guess of what it's going to be about, right now, I would kind of wager that it would be an animated series, kind of in the similar vein of Star Wars Visions as far as format, where it is going to be shorts of these animated stories set in these different Star Wars time periods. That's what I'm going to guess right now. But regardless of what format they decide to do it in, I just think it's going to be so cool if they do do it where it is set in the different time periods where how cool would it be where this is a series where we do see the first Jedi's um, the very Mm -hmm. first time the Jedi order was established. And then you go to the extreme opposite end where um, we see what's taking place with the Jedi order post rise Rise of Skywalker. Maybe this is where we'll see a Ray Finn and Poe again in this era or in the series seeing what uh, the galaxy is like and the Jedi order is like in uh, post rise of skywalker so all those possibilities are there in this series and that's what makes it so exciting so yeah i can't wait to find out more just to know exactly what it's going to be about but just hearing and seeing that title tales of the jedi yeah that's immediately going to get you excited just by the name alone and then you think about it possibly adapting those classic comics that gets you even more excited than when you think about potentially expanding a wide gap of Star Wars timelines that gets you beyond excited for the potential of what the series could be. So, yeah, um, hopefully it's something we'll see uh, pretty or not see, but hear about and get an announcement pretty soon in the future, because like you guys said, it's just going to be something really cool uh, to look forward to once it does get officially announced and we know exactly what type of series movie whatever it's going to be but yeah it should be something that's going to be really cool to get once we do find out exactly what it is yeah definitely i will say if i had to make like a a prediction or sort of my biggest hope for the series um i hope it's it's more linear like not necessarily an anthology series that's kind of all over the place i want it to be something set kind of during the old republic time period and i will say like because we're now getting like a modern, like 4K, uh, you know, complete remake of Knights of the Old Republic. I think that's going to scratch my itch for that series or like for that story. And so I'm, I'm not as, um, I don't know, hungry as I used to be for like a, a movie or a TV adaptation of seeing like Revan and Malik and all that. So I kind of want like an original story that's just about the history of the Jedi set some 
thousands of years before the movies, but I want to see it incorporate some of the, the historical sort of lore that we've seen introduced in the current canon, like in Clone Wars and Rebels. I want to see the uh, Jedi and Sith battle on Malachor, Mm-hmm. And I want to see uh, Tor v- is it Tor Tar Vizla the the first Mandalorian yeah, who created the dark saber because I think that would be that a really be cool awesome. way to flesh out an aspect of Jedi history and Mandalorian history that we haven't really seen fully play out before and something that could definitely tie into what I think um, is going to be happening in Mandalorian season three where I think they're probably going to go to Mandalore and be talking a, a lot more about the lore and the history of Mandalore and the dark saber and all that kind of stuff. So then to kind of have that synergy where you're then seeing that history play out in whether it's a live action series or an animated series. Um, uh, yeah. Where we're just seeing, you know, those new stories that we haven't seen before playing out in the old Republic, I think would be really cool. And that's, you know, those are just a couple examples of things, like I said, that have been introduced and kind of hinted at in the new canon that I would love to go back and see those stories fully explored. So that's what I would love to see. Um, But again, any, like I said before, any kind of uh, Jedi history, Jedi lore, Jedi mythology, any, any tales of the Jedi, whoever, (laughs) whatever Jedi that might be, wherever that story takes place, I'm there for it. So I just hope that it's not something that got canceled. I hope it's something we get announced sooner rather than later. And, uh, can't wait to just add this to um, the growing list of uh, exciting Star Wars stuff that we're, we're going to get to see and talk about. So um, I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Tim, I'll let you read the um, the listener responses and stuff that we got on Twitter, just talking about Book of Boba Fett and stuff. But I just want to read this Twitter poll real quick that I put out. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys kind of surprised me with this one. Like, you did and you didn't, because I knew what was going to win this poll, but it won by a lot. I said, oh, happy yeah. <laughs> Star Wars fans, which new release are you looking forward to most in 2022? And the options were Obi-Wan Kenobi and or Bad Batch Season 2 and Mandalorian Season 3. And I kind of wanted to put book of boba fett on there as well because like i mean it premiered in 2021 but we're getting the majority of that series in 2022 so you can almost count that as a 2022 release as well um but between these four options uh and 117 people responded to this poll three percent said andor six percent said bad batch season two eight percent said mandalorian season three and the runaway winner with a whopping 83 <laughs> percent was obi-wan kenobi so um, I mean, I completely agree with you guys. Obi-Wan is also the show that I'm looking forward to most this year, especially after like the concept art that we got, just knowing that Hayden's going to be back as Darth Vader. There's going to be Inquisitors. Uh, seeing you and again as Obi-Wan, like I, I can't wait to see all the, the awesome stuff that's going to be in that series. But I don't know. I thought there might be a few more votes for like and or Mandalorian season three, but um I don't think it's it's really a surprise to anybody that Obi-Wan is probably going to be the most talked about thing in Star Wars this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hit series on Disney+. Plus. I don't know, I just got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll do pretty well. A few <laughs> people might tune in and watch it. No, yeah, but as far as the first episode of Book of Boba Fett goes, um, first off, uh, Paul at Mr. Pisu on Twitter said, a solid, enjoyable start. But he's much more upset than he should be about the Wookiee pelt, though. <laughs> that I was too. That did suck. I actually, to I I meant to reply to Paul's comment and say that, and I forgot about it. But I can say it now here on the show. Uh, that messed me up, man. Like <laughs> the Twin Ocean did not have to come in there 
with a whole freaking Wookiee pelt where you could still see like the arms and legs. Like it couldn't just be a big fur blanket or something. Yeah, but at the same time, it makes sense that that's what a Trandoshan would <laughs> bring to like a tribute offering type. Yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it was one of those kind of like love hate things. Like it was like, oh shoot, a Trandoshan with a Wookiee pelt. Like it was kind of cool to see on screen. Like just knowing that lore and and the the you know the history between those two races. But also as someone who loves Wookies, it was also kind of upsetting. Yes. <laughs> And then, uh, to be honest, got a surprising response about the Book of Boba Fett from Lance Torres, who says, "If it's set on that, if it's set on Tatooine, he's not watching it." So apparently, we got a real Tatooine hater <laughs> interested, or I should say, not going to be watching uh, I the mean, show. They can't like move the Sarlacc pit to Camino and have Boba get out of it there. Uh, apparently he just must really agree with Anakin on hating. Something, <laughs> so. I'm sorry you feel that way, Lance, but hopefully. Um, you'll reconsider watching the show because the first episode was pretty solid. So yeah, I mean, give that it a shot. does get everywhere, but yeah. you know, it makes sense for Boba. I mean, for people, I, I maybe could understand that, that complaint just because there's already been, I mean, with the, with the sequel trilogy, we got Jack who, which was clearly like a stand in for Tatooine. And then we've already had multiple episodes of the Mandalorian set on Tatooine. And so for some people that are like, Oh, you know, they're, leaning too heavily on nostalgia and they need have need to have everything set on a desert planet. Like that is a legitimate complaint, but I feel like for Boba Fett, it makes the most sense out of all those other instances. Like yeah, it has him, to. Coming, <laughs> him coming out of the Sarlacc pit, him going back to take over Jabba's palace. It doesn't just feel like, you know, Oh, we're setting it on Tatooine just for the sake of nostalgia and, and, you know, doing a classic star Wars thing. It's like for Boba's story, that actually makes sense. So. Yeah, totally. And then our buddy Caleb, he says what, we could all say now with confidence and officially that Boba Fett survived the, survived the Sarlacc pit saying, I'm just glad he didn't go out like a punk. And now he officially didn't because he's alive. He may have yeah. gotten defeated like a punk, but he wasn't killed like a punk. Yeah, I mean, he, he still went out like a punk and just, you know, but that wasn't the end for him. So. Yes, <laughs> thankfully. I just feel so good. I mean, obviously I said this for the Mandalorian season two when we saw Boba Fett for the first time, knowing that he's officially alive and survived the Sarlacc pit. But now that we actually saw it, how it happened, uh, just it just makes me feel good, again, just as a big fan of the character and just knowing about that for him for so long then to see it in live action, uh, it was just so awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it. So for the majority, for those who did see it, <laughs> who responded to us or enjoying the first episode and just hopefully uh, that continues for the rest of the series, which I'm pretty confident it will. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So thank you to you guys for, for chiming in and joining the discussion with us on Twitter. Um, and if you're not already following us, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com. Uh, to find all of our episodes and news stories that we're posting on there and stuff. And then you can uh, send us email if you want at starwarstsc at gmail.com and send us thoughts, comments, questions, uh, anything you want to tell us about the show, about Star Wars, about anything you're looking forward to coming up this year. Um, we'd love to hear from you on there. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Um, thank you guys all so much for for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we look forward to being back with you Um I don't know how often we'll record during Book of Boba Fett, but obviously we'll have a lot of cool stuff to talk about during that show. So I'm sure we'll do, uh, you know, 
at least a couple more episodes here and there throughout the show and just kind of check in and give our thoughts on the latest episodes and stuff. So uh, look forward to that and all the other cool and exciting Star Wars stuff coming out this year. But, um, you know, for now, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels. <laughs>